is Game Changers. The Anatomy of High Achievers with your host, Dr. Roger Borbone. Strap yourself in as he takes you behind the scenes of the people, businesses, and brands we know, use, and love today and discover the unknown game changers who triggered their success. This podcast will show you how any person can spark the winning spirit that creates high achievers. You'll also get these champions' personal success codes to help you be the next game changer. Now, from the Dr. Pure Life Clinic headquarters in Austin, Texas, it's showtime with your host, Dr. Roger Bourbon. Because I've probably been in jail or working at a, a refinery or factory, I had done enough bad that people didn't want me around. So uh, the reputation that I created for myself wasn't good. On today's show, Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, two-time Olympian, WWE champion and Hall of Famer, world record holder in powerlifting, and national leader and speaker for anti-bullying. He's going to share with you his game changer that goes all the way back to his middle school days. And I think one of the other big pieces to his success code is a motto that he has, which is to train like you don't have talent. But what were the success codes that he used to pull himself from where he was to where he is today? Enjoy. Down the street and I see this guy walking down the street and like, I'm like, you know, something doesn't match up. I'm like, what? What's on that guy's back? Looks like, I'm like, as I get closer in my head, I think he's got like a, he's carrying like a table on his back. What is this? And then I get closer, I'm like, that's his back. <laughs> <laughs> so you're walking down. So you were, you know, I don't know how old you were, probably like 25 or something. Oh, man. You know, somewhere Four, around there. 400 pounds, 15% body fat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pretty wide. The, kind of the springboard of this whole thing was we were hanging out at that pool and and you were you were sharing your story and you said a line that, that festered with me. And that's what, that's really what started me to want to put time and energy into this is the line and i don't have i don't have the guy's name but i'm just going to say coach but you said if it wasn't for coach billy brister yeah if you went for billy brister there'd be no mark henry and probably you meant the mark henry the brand the entity the thing that people knows or the athlete yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i still would have been athletic but it would have been unused because i've probably been in jail or Working at a, a refinery, a factory or something. Right, right. Because nobody, you know, I was at the point where, you know, um, it was pee or get off the pot is what my granny used to say. I had to do something or not. Yeah. And I was getting very few chances because of my past. Even though I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, um, I had done enough bad that people didn't want me around. So uh, the reputation that I created for myself wasn't good. So that's what, so, so this is where, you know, most of the times people know like all these insane accomplishments that you have, you know, the you from TV and all that stuff. A lot of times what people don't know and what we aren't, you know, we don't put it out there too much is the backstory stuff. So can you share a little bit about like before 
I'm, what, what I'm going to call it the is prequel. the game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly, the prequel. So this is like before the superhero, you, there's just the, the human you, right? So before you, before the game changer, and the game changer is, you know, keep Coach Billy Bristol, right? So Bristol, yeah. Bristol. So before, before that coach became a game changer in your life, kind of paint a little bit of that picture because sometimes it's it's where you know people only see the wins and it's and it's it's deceptive, you know. Yeah. So what 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 would you like to share on on some of the backstory? You know what I think the the um, the town that I grew up in is only three thousand people at that point, so everybody knew everybody. It's mm-hmm. like Mayberry. Yeah. <laughs> and the it was very racially divided. Uh, railroad tracks separated everything, and just twenty years before me, that school was it was still segregated. Really? They had Waldo Matthew High School was all black, and then Silsby High School. Wow. And so I grew up with my folks loving Waldo Matthew. I used to play at Waldo Matthew Park every day of my life as a kid because that was in my neighborhood. And the school was torn down, but the basketball courts and the park, what used to be the playground of the school, was still existed and it still exists today. Um, and that's, I mean, it was just a lot of troubles because uh, one, I grew up in an environment with functioning alcoholics and people drinking and fighting and stuff all the time. So I thought that was normal. Right. That's the way you solve your problem with these. Right. And um, which it wasn't good, but I, it was a lot of love in the home. You know, we, everybody went to church. I said yeah. functioning. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, just like the backside of it was, um, there was some, there was a lot of dysfunction. So um, I got in trouble a lot because I was from birth. You know, I was big. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I would always say that even mm-hmm. though I was born premature, uh, I was still like seven and a half pounds, eight pounds, and I was born two weeks early. Wow, yeah. So I was going to be a big kid. Yeah. I saw that you a were... A big baby. I saw that you were 5'5", five, five, 225 in the in fourth, fourth grade. In the fourth grade, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a little big. The, um, you know, I, I was... Everything that was, that was black, uh, everything that was big, that was me as a kid. And kids are cruel. And when they, in groups of kids, it's unbearable. That's why you have all these kid suicides and kid murders and uh, attacks because the adults will not put consequences on the kids. Oh, they're just kids being kids. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They, they're affecting these people mentally to the point yeah. to where they do damage to people. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, who's at fault? The kid is at fault. No, everybody involved is at fault because it could have been done. It could have been fixed. And I, I very likely could have been one of those kids because I was McGilla Gorilla. I was Fat Albert. I was Tar Baby. I was, you name something negative, that's what they called me. Mm-hmm. And when I would smash them, 
I was the one that got in trouble. Of course. And it was like, you know, man, you don't need to have him, that Henry kid around. <laughs> like, you know, he's trouble. And that followed me until the seventh grade. Um, even through the seventh grade, because um, I wanted to go do, you know, little sporting events and stuff with my friends, where my friends were going. And they would be like, uh, uh, you, you can't go. Like they would say that? Or do you think their parents were, they said, <laughs> the don't The parents, yeah. yeah. They would tell them, hey, don't if y'all going to let way. him go, my kid ain't going to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where I was. I was, man, I was Isolate. blackballed, getaway, that boy trouble. And um, Billy Brister was the seventh grade uh, PE teacher. And it was just a stop for him because Bubby Brister, his one of his relatives, was the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-huh. And he just, you know, passed it through Silsby as a young teacher. This is before Silsby. Okay, all right, all right. So, so he's like, um, he was like, man, I, they don't want you to play. They don't want you to come on this field trip. Yeah, yada yada yada. And. Uh, I, I told him what happened, and he said, look, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the coach and, and tell him. His name was John Bernheim. Um, and um, Coach Bernheim um, said, look, um, he's sticking his neck out for you. He's, everybody keep telling me not to have you involved. And if you're going to come play football for me, uh, you can't get in no more fights. You can't hit nobody. You can't get in trouble. Yada, yada, yada. Get in the whole spill. And I'm shaking my head like, okay, I can do that. And then about that time, what if the first thing came to my mind, what if they hit me first? Mm. And he said, see, you're already looking for a reason. And I said, no, I'm not. I was like, these kids mess with me all the time. I got slapped on the back of the head on the bus the other day by a boy bigger than me because he thought that that was cool. And he said, well, if somebody hits you, I'm not going to tell you not to defend yourself. But if I hear that you did something, you're not going to be able to play. And that was Coach Bernheim became one of my favorite people. Because he didn't take no crap off of nobody, including the higher-ups, the people. Well, just fire me then. I heard him say it before. Yeah. He's like, you don't want me to do it? You want to do it? Then you go do it. Or just let me do my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was one of those yeah. tough people. Yeah. And uh, He had clear definitions of what, he was what it is and what, yeah, that's right. There's not a lot of that going on today. Everybody worry about getting canceled and this and that. He was comfortable with going to his house, sitting on his front porch. Mm -hmm. Then uh, let somebody tell him how to do his job. Yeah. So, but it was good. It was refreshing to be around somebody like that. And uh, Coach Bristol left, and I never saw him after my seventh grade football Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know where that dude went. And, um... The uh, Coach Bernheim um, kind of 
was the one that said, look, I know y'all love his brother because my older brother was like the star of high school. Mm. He was Superman. Yeah. He was the, he ended up being the student body president, the, the salutatorian, uh, made all America in football, uh, ran track, uh, played basketball. I mean, he was Superman. He yeah. did everything. <laughs> so the reputation of my brother was, you know, a hard act to follow. Yeah. And Coach Bernheim was the one who was like, hey, we got a kid that is, you know, man, 220, 230 pounds, and he's faster than all our little kids. He can out-jump all our little kids. I, on our field, we used to have this thing, that, that field day that I was never allowed to do. Uh-huh. Um, I got to do field day in the seventh grade. And I ran, uh, uh, I ran the 40, I ran the 100, I did the long jump, I won jump rope, I, ran, I, I won the rope climb. I was still, I was able to rope climb. Yeah. Like, I can't do it now, <laughs> but I, was, I won the rope climb. Um, like, the shot put. We didn't have the discus. If we'd have had the discus, I'd have won that too. <laughs> but he was like, by the time I got done with eighth grade, the the weight were you know machines. You know, you the stacks. I was doing the whole stack. Yeah. And there was no free weights. We didn't have free weights. Right. And yeah, just the one universal system. Just that that one was... universal system. <laughs> And, and the coach, we all had. <laughs> they told us, uh, uh, then Craig McGallion came into play. He came from University of Houston, uh-huh. graduated, uh, wasn't going to go to the NFL, uh, with undersized defensive tackle. And he came to Silsby to start coaching. Cause you know, I had this relationship with my brother too, I think primarily about sports. And I mean, you could say a sibling rivalry or, mm-hmm. you know, the fight for mother's love or whatever it was, yeah. but we just didn't get along mm-hmm. and we fought like cats and dogs. Now he was the best defensive football player in Texas. Like now they have all these five stars and yeah, right. four stars. Like that didn't exist back then. It was just, were you good? Or yeah, not? right. Did people know you? And yeah. he was, you know, Three-time All-State football player, first team, um, made the Super Bowl team national, USA Today's wow. top 22 players in the country. And he's and, what? How much older? He's two years older than me. So now you're in the shadow of all I'm in this the shadow stuff. of greatness. Yeah. And I'm trying to find my way. And strength was my forte. Like it was that was what set me aside from everybody. I was a good football player. Um, I got offers. I got, you know, coaches coming to see me and all of that stuff. But um, at that point, I didn't get along with our head coach. And, you know, I felt like I'm putting my my body on the line. And he's talking to me like I'm, you know, uh, a servant or something. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't get along. And I, I quit my senior year. Mm. Um, and focused on lifting because I was the junior world champion. Okay. And I had something else. A lot of people don't have options. Right. At that age, you're either good at something and that's it. And, you know, if you right. 
you know, kind of don't do what everybody feels like you should be doing, then uh, you kind of under the thumb. I was never under the thumb. I had I was a good basketball player, track athlete, football player, the strongest kid in the world. Like I'm in USA Today. I'm in newspapers every week for whenever Mark Henry goes to Russia. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. What? That you, you yeah. might as well say Mark Henry is going to the moon. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like you an astronaut. <laughs> like you know, it was it was like that's, that's especially kind of, back then, right, right? That's the kind of power that I yeah, had, yeah. And uh, the Olympic Committee and you know all of this stuff that started to come into play. But wait a second, there's an interesting thing in there too, which is, you know, this this is the game changers making of the anatomy of making high achievers, right? But there's also kind of like the anti game changer. So like that head coach that didn't value you or however that communications was, there was something in you was like. He said it was bad communication because like, um, you know, as I got older and they, they people saw the success and, and they back the out. fundraising and uh, different things. He, he came to me like several times. The first couple of times he came to talk to me, it, he was, everything he was saying was like, wah, 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 wah. I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was like, look, I was trying to make you a better guy because I didn't want you to, you, you was starting to get full of yourself. And I said, no, I wasn't, about, I wasn't full of myself. I was legitimately the best person on earth at something. And I took pride in it. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, I felt like I was being talked to beneath who I was. And everybody got to own their mistakes. And he said, well, you know, I never looked at it like that. And, you know, I'm sorry if that's how I made you feel because that wasn't my intention. And, you know, like I, I, I have a, 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 a more than adequate relationship with him now. Um, you know, we don't call each other and stuff, but like I don't dislike him or have any yeah, negativity yeah. towards him. Um, but, you know, it's, he's, he's like the, the head of the wall of honor at our school. Uh, I went into the Wall of Honor like five years ago, um, and like it, it's a it's a big deal to be from my little town and to be in the Wall of Honor. Yeah. So I appreciated uh, going there, but also I earned it. Yeah. Well, so so talk about okay. So so one of the things I think you know you naturally you have natural abilities, right? But. But at the same time... But I was also crazy. How do you mean? And anybody that's a professional athlete, they're willing to sacrifice everything else for that one thing. Exactly, right. And I got more joy out of me making my personal accomplishments than I did sometimes competing and winning a, a championship or breaking a world record or junior or national record. Because I had done it before mm-hmm. in training. It was the, the training, like I went, I was training like four to six hours a day. So like accomplishment was well, by far better medicine than accolades to right. me at so, that point. So that's a, that's a, that's, that's kind of where I was going first is like, you have a natural, 
gift. But if you didn't put in the hard time the like train. you did, then who knows where you'd be. So we, we both got kids that, that, that perform at a high level in sports. And we see how many hours that they work. Think about all the hours that you sacrifice to make sure that they get to that. Right. It's a compounding ball of <laughs> yeah. work. Right. Not just, and, your, and your wife is making sure that they eat this amount and they don't eat this. And like everybody's working toward this thing. Yeah. I didn't always have everybody working towards it. It was just me. Mm-hmm. No safety net. If I fail, done. I'm working at a factory. I wasn't a great student, so I wasn't gonna go to MIT. Was that your was that your thought? Hey, this this is my it's like this is it. It's like I have this visual of people doing like a, a monkey bars. There's those who gotta have the next rung before they go to the next rung. And then there's people that are a little crazy that if I don't want to get there, I'm going to have to be in midair without any contact and full commitment. There's I, a skip in the bars. Yeah. And you realize, okay, swinging normal, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to stop, put both hands on, and I'm going to have to rock. And I'm going to have to rock. And then I'm going to have to rock. It's like the, the Batman movie where the character had to jump from one ledge to the other ledge to get out of the pit of hell or whatever it was called. Like I had to, I had to take the leap. Perfect. And, and my training yeah. was like Rocky. Like the only thing that you can compare what I felt like I was doing as a kid was a Rocky movie training. Yeah. That montage. That Rocky Four in the snow kind of stuff. That's the way I train. <laughs> I made weights. Yeah. Out of concrete. And old rims, tire ram, uh, rims. You know what I'm talking about? The inside of the tire. And you dipping them in concrete, and you keep dipping them in concrete until they was. Man, I was doing caveman workouts. I was dragging sleds with pieces of steel plates and stuff, and whatever else I could put on these sleds to get strong. So this is this is a key point that I think. Is, Train like you don't have talent is my philosophy. That's great. What a great saying. And you can put the shit on a t-shirt. But I trained like I did not have talent and I was not going to go nowhere. Where did that come from? If you think about where did that come from? If you had to say, hey, I just had... I sell failure. I know what failure looked like. Up close and personal. I walked through my neighborhood and see... People, people used to tell me, oh, man, you, that dude right there used to run a 4-3-40. Man, if he could have kept his head on straight, he would have been somebody. Man, this dude right here was the strongest guy, and he's putting all drums on the back of a pallet. Like, I didn't want to be that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the story that everybody told uh, about how the talent was there, but no work ethic. The yeah. dude didn't, couldn't sacrifice. So you had a clear distinction of, you had the, the benefit of, of, of a pretty black and white picture. There's this, which is, I could easily go into this, because yeah. this is what everyone in my town kind of does, or whatever the thing would be. 
but that's not that's not what I see for myself. So so somewhere in there, there's a there's a part in you that said, was it just that I really don't? Sometimes not knowing what you want is as helpful and as instructive as even before you really crystallize what the goals are. You know, sometimes if we just make sure we're not doing any of this stuff, it'll lead us more to there and we can crystallize what that picture looks like. Do you feel like you knew what you wanted? Do you feel yeah. like I just knew what I didn't want or a combination? Yeah. Or not? How is that? that? Well, I, as, as, I'm not clairvoyant. I can't see the future. I can only see what's there. I saw failure. I also saw success. I saw Vasily Alexiev, who was the Olympic gold medalist in weightlifting, clean jerk 500 pounds in the Olympics. And people were throwing roses at him. And he was picking the roses up and putting them in his teeth and bowing. And the crowd was going, oh. And I was like, damn, I got goosebumps. <laughs> Because that's what I wanted. Yeah. Affirmation. Confirmation that all the work that you did meant something. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. <clears throat> and I was willing to I was willing to sacrifice anything to get it. I never had to cheat mm-hmm. because God blessed me with a unique anatomy that I could go and do stuff that normal people couldn't do. And I know that sounds as arrogant as hell. I don't believe so. But like I just was born with more than every other man. I believe that all of us are born with superpowers. I believe, I believe God made us, all of us unique. Like, you need to be the world's strongest man in what you are doing. And who knows the lives that you've touched doing that. At the same time, there's a lot of people doing other things that aren't as, you know, they're not going to be on USA Today. But there's a superpower in there, and it's, one of our jobs in life, especially as parents, to help our kids find those things for ourselves to do the hard work to get that stuff. But one of the things that you were kind of talking about, the, the joy in training in that is I call it joyful suffering. Like what I feel is one of the top three things as a parent that is a responsibility of mine is to help my kids find what they will joyfully suffer for. Mm. And what you're talking about is if I want, look, I'm so strong, I can't train at these other places or with this other stuff. It's not I, heavy enough. That's true. I couldn't go to any gym. I only could go to the best place because they had the best equipment. They had an abundance of equipment. But you said joyful suffering. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was hard for me was what you do. Fixing people. Mm-hmm. Rehab. Like, you know, people say recovery. Right. I had the ice. We didn't have the money to put just ice on one thing. I had to ice my whole body. So my mom would buy bags of ice, put them in the bathtub, run cold water. I was ice pooling as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't... Nobody taught me that. Yeah. When I cramp up and couldn't sleep, had, you know, walk around my neighborhood, my mom would walk around the neighborhood with me drinking pickle juice. Yeah. With no Gatorade. That's right. 
Nobody taught us that. We knew that I had lost so much salt that my body needed replacement. Mm -hmm. That was the hard stuff. Had no medical. We yeah. had no money. My mom never made more than $12,000 in a year. Wow. I couldn't afford to get hurt. Couldn't never go to the doctor. Yep. I walked around with knee sleeves and elbow sleeves and tape. Not, not athletic, athletic tape. tape. Duct tape. <laughs> Duct tape with paper towels underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the part to me where like, it's rustic, man. Like, well, and, you know. and, and you, you, unless, and this is like when you're saying the crazy, to me, the joyful suffering in there, you have to be a little bit crazy to choose the pain. And without the pain, you don't, you don't have the joy of when you get to test out right. that stuff. You know, like you're saying, like your personal records were like the most invigorating thing. I think it's easy for people that don't know this backstory. And it's one of the big things about this is because, hey, man, he's, he started as a big kid. He was 225 in the fourth grade. Yeah, of course already. he's strong. But, <clears throat> but this is where I think it's worth diving in, going back for people to see, one, like you had to work your butt off. And you had to make things up to make them heavy enough to where you can actually get work done. Yeah. And this is some of the crazy, joyful suffering that people don't see because they think it's just somehow easier for Mark Henry. So, so what's what's something that you would think that if somebody's, you know, so one there's like that I think misconception of people who are great musicians or artists or athletes or whatever where it's just easier for them, like Jordan. Yes, he's just talented. Yeah, but he did, you know, all the stuff that Jordan did that nobody right. else did. And so so what would you tell people who who might be struggling in in finding their new capability? Like what 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 capabilities did you have to come up with? What new things did you new ways you had to think, way you had to be? What you had to do? What were those things that helped you to do the 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 crazy joyful suffering that others wouldn't do? I, I would say <clears> that <throat> for me, I think God gave me, humbled me one, and gave me the information because the the information that I got, I can't remember who I got it from. So I don't equate it to coming from this coach or this teacher or this person I passed or you know. It, it was stuff was being pumped into me about understanding. And yeah, you got to be competitive, but don't mean you got to be rude or crude. Like, yeah, you got to be aggressive, but you don't have to take that out on a person. You take it out on the weight. Mm -hmm. And like, there was stuff that, you know, like watch your surroundings. If you can have common sense, then you can exist in this world. <laughs> and like, I have great common sense. I knew how to watch TV and say, oh man, they, they're working on that. I'm gonna try that. I watched body shaping and I, I got the chance to uh, meet Corey Everson who did this show body shaping. I told her, I used to copy you lifting 
when I was a little boy. And one of the things that they used to do was good morning. Hmm. And that, I, I equate that to how my back got so strong is in order for me to do a squat, I had to do a good morning because I didn't have a squat rack. Uh, okay. So I had to build myself up doing good mornings to the point to where I could take the bar off a bench press. Jeez. So, <laughs> so I could do squat. So I couldn't wow. do 315 yeah. at first. But I got to the point where I could do good mornings with 315. I was in the eighth grade, ninth grade. Nuts. And then I would do my squats. And then I would have to do a slow good morning tired. Look, looking to the side to make sure, make sure that I had it on the bro, I was like there was stuff that happened involuntary with my training that I only existed because of accident. So but part of that is, and I think there's a great point, is you want it like here's where I'm going. Watch the, the, the best do it. The means to that point, like I, this, I just have to do this thing to get to do this. Uh, even the, in the little things, I like, couldn't do it at first. Yeah, like I, I, the reason I can tell you I couldn't do it is because I tried and failed. Yeah, I remember trying to do three fifteen, and once I got it off the rack, woo, it went straight down uh. and scraped the back of my head. I'm like, oh god. So now, I have to, okay. How can I do this? Okay, I'm gonna start like I'm gonna work my way up to the point where I can do that. I'll get back to that later. I was patient too. Mm -hmm. So like the stuff that I was teaching myself, um, you know, I, I see all the, these strength coaches. I go to NASA. I go go to all these different things and and listen to sporting protocols and so forth. And all I could think of is. Man, I did that when I was 14. Yeah. I did that when I was 15. Like they they just now doing this and they like. I had an incredible jump <clears throat> on everybody. Yeah. Because that was what I loved. And I studied. Only God would put me in with Jan and Terry Todd, the two elite people in Lipton. <clears throat> They, they came to me. They heard, they read about me and said, there's no way. And you're this, living where at this point? I'm living in Sillsbury, my mom. Okay. You're still, you're still a kid. They're the professors point. at UT, at the University of Texas. The top sports scientists, and there was no such thing as a strength coach at yeah. this point. Yeah. Terry Todd was the, he was the Albert Einstein. In, in 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 the state about strength coaching and lifting and he was right here at University of Texas. And when him and his wife read, hey, there's a kid in Silsby that as a freshman squatted eight hundred pounds, they went bullshit. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Somebody threw a shot put a hundred feet. That's that's what the equivalent of what they heard. Yeah, yeah. Some a uh, 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 ninth grade kid ran a ten flat hundred. 
Yeah. The stuff that I was doing was unheard of. It never <clears throat> been done. Ever. No other human ever did it. When you start making conversations like that, they people got to go, I got to see the shit yeah, for myself. Yeah, that's intri- yeah. <clears throat> I want to see it. That's I got to see it. And they did. They came to see me. And they said, you should never play football again. You're going to get hurt playing football. You have the potential to be the strongest person that ever lived. And they were right. Because they recognized what they saw. They didn't put the ground floor work in. But the next decade they spent helping me become who I became. Mm. So you, so what time, what age were you at that point when that's, that works? Now I'm 19. I'm graduating high school. Okay. So 18. And then, so then let's say you're 18 by the time you're 20. So 92, how old were you in the first Olympics? I made the Olympic team in nine months. So you went before your first was 92 or not? 92 was the first Olympics. I started. I started training in 91 for the Olympic Games. You understand what I'm saying? And now, and you're how old at this point? How old are you at night? I'm 19. So that, okay. I'm the youngest American heavyweight to ever go to the Olympics. Yeah, because that's not a a young guy sport for people that don't know. It's a grown man sport. You got to mature for that stuff. And it takes three to five years sometimes to learn the proper technique to be able to go to the Olympic Games when you're, to learn weightlifting. When you're pulling concrete tire or t- concrete rims and jacked up good mornings, like like dialing in mechanics now is like, like you, you it, just... It was total recall. Like I was able to go back and think, oh, I saw weightlifting before. I used to watch uh, the Olympics as a kid growing up. I just visualize it. So I started practicing, training, and my technique was horrible. But I still lifted more than any American ever did. I didn't know what I was getting You're 19 year old. You're just like, yeah, I'll go work I'll, out. I'll come work out. I'll, I'll, I'll work, work out, out a cool place. Yeah. And I mean, going on University of Texas campus and looking at all of that stuff, going in that gym, I felt like, oh my gosh, like I died and went to weightlifting heaven. <laughs> Squat racks and pulling bars and boxes and stuff. And Angel hands me a broomstick. That's what he handed me. He said, I want you to put this over your head and I want you to squat down. And I squat down and I was extremely flexible in my shoulders Hmm. and extremely flexible in my hips, which for a strength athlete is unheard of. Mm -hmm. And he said, Oh, very good, Mark. And he was like, let's get a bar. And then we got a bar. And then in three days weekend, um, I snatched um, 100 kilos to like 225 pounds. And I clean and jerk uh, crudely, if you want to call it a clean and jerk, like 150 pounds. And he said, uh, maybe two years, American champion. He's so strong. And Angel said, one of my students is coming here to help me this summer. 
so I'll put him with Mark during the summer and he can train Mark on Olympic weightlifting. God lined all that stuff up, man. Mm -hmm. These people from Bulgaria. Yeah. I couldn't even spell Bulgaria at that point. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just so happens that that year, Angel was there as the women's strength coach. And then his student was coming to try to, come on, man. Yeah. I, you can't tell me that that wasn't divine. <laughs> yeah. And I was able to, I trained with Emilian, and Emilian was like, Emilian Yankov. He said, you, you'll, win, you'll win the American Open, and you'll win junior championship, U.S. championship. And I did in six months. The Olympic trials were coming up. Um, I snatched 150 kilos. Which the guy that was the the champion was snatched one hundred and sixty kilos, uh-huh. ten kilos more. He was thirty five, thirty four, thirty five, and had been training for like twenty years, fifteen years. You you only twenty pounds heavier yeah. than me, and that's when I was like, oh, they close. <laughs> they close. I can. Oh yeah, that's victory. I can smell that, and that's like the motivation just took over. I stopped powerlifting completely and focused on Olympic lifting, and um, I went to the Olympics and snatched 165 kilos and clean and jerk 205 kilos, um, um, and I won the Olympic trials. And then I, I, I went to the games and placed 10 in the world with nine months of training. Yeah, that's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so the difference what God gave me and the path that got put in front of me would have been disrespectful on me go, not going to do the best that I could do. Yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> listen, the stuff you're saying, I caveman trained. Yeah. Like... I didn't have equipment. Yep. Term raw lifting comes from me because a sports writer said, I mean, he, he did a 2,000 pound total raw with no equipment. That's where that term came from. If, if the you from the future today was talking to the 19, 25, 30 year old you, what's something that you would tell yourself that might be hard for the younger you to take and believe and, and, and put to use. What's something that you would pass on to the younger you? That you are a teacher. History is the greatest teacher, not the individual teaching. I would tell myself, one day you will be the standard and everybody will listen to your advice. So write everything down and formulate how you did what you did. And then you have to say, okay, you don't, everybody is not Michael Jordan. Right. Everybody is not Charles Austin. There's only one of those. There's only one Mark Henry. There's a lot of people that have done the same thing, but not at the way you did it or the, at the level that you did it write all that stuff down, it validates you as 
the person that you should pay to listen mm. to because that's what your job is going to be as a teacher. It's just that, you know, teachers make more money and um, according to education and, and, and the standards. Like, if I do a seminar and it costs $250 to come to my seminar, then there, there's other people that are doing the same thing, but they're just not as recognized or they don't have the experience <clears throat> that I have. And their seminars might be $120. But you might get you might get some good stuff out of that, but you're not going to get this experience, the history. You're paying yeah. for the history, so I would I would educate myself back then to know what I know now, and I do clinics and seminars, and I recruit talent, and I, I I'm able to see, okay, that 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 guy's got all the tools except for this, and then mm. hey, you do this, you're going to be different. So you said one of the things that a word you said was like your formula. So like like as you kind of write things down and you find your like here's the path that led to this stuff. Here's the things I did that made me take the long road. Here's the thing that shortcut some things. So as you to to formalize something to formulate something, it's like and I've done this with the stuff that I do, and I've kind of gotten down to these five key points. So now I can look at different people coming in with different conditions, I can look at these five areas. Come, so so as, you are, as you're talking to the younger you, you, I'm hearing you say, man, I'd like to give this filtering system for, this, for the younger me to say, I, I've got a, I score out a 10 out of 10 on this, I'm a four out of 10 on this, and I, this is where I can really go up on right. you know, those kind of things. You gotta know what that is, <laughs> and also, um, I, I, I'm I'm at the point now where I, I can see business as the athlete. I couldn't do that back then. Right. I had to rely on other people to handle the business and the structure of it. And me just go train. And me just sleep. Me do recovery and mm -hmm. start all over again. It was hard to do that. And, and I just didn't have the understanding of it. Yeah. It wasn't the machine it is now either. No, the, the, it, it was, it's not. But like you have companies like Rogue, mm -hmm. who Rogue has made hundreds of millions of dollars um, with their equipment <clears throat> because of innovation. They took old technology, renovated it, formulated it to be more smooth and more palatable and then they sell it to the world. Mm -hmm. I could have done that. I just didn't know I could. Yeah. And at the least, I should be able to get with one of these companies and say, you know what? I tried this. I, I, I've evaluated it. This is the best thing on the market. Y'all go buy this. Yeah. I didn't know anything about marketing as that kid. Mm -hmm. I do now. And I know the value of what finding something that you see value in and you know that that will be beneficial to other people and saying, and be comfortable saying, no, buy this.
because at the end of the day, your your kid is going to be 10 times ahead of the curve. I was so far ahead of the curve because I was doing stuff that no other kid was doing. Right. Yeah. I'm speaking from experience yeah. and understanding of what I'm talking about. And, and, and there's people that know as much as I do, but they didn't do it. That's I'm, right. I'm up on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got the money to be able to put it together and do this, but I validate what you're saying. Yeah. And without me saying, you know what? I can't honestly say that, but if you did this to your equipment and change it and fix this, I, I'll co-sign 100%. And that's, that's what I would teach the, the young kids. Yeah, so seeing... Maybe seeing inside inside your passion that you're doing peripherally, there are synergistic things that maybe don't take that much more energy. Maybe it does, and maybe you don't have the skill to do all that stuff, but getting the right know-how and people around you to then capitalize on different opportunities that are yeah, that can make synergistic you and in parallel with what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look around us, you know, the, this neighborhood that we in and the one that I lived in and all million dollar houses with gates that you have to have the code to get into. Like, if you want to live that life, you want to drive the car that, I can't drive Ferraris and Testarossa, I'm too big. <laughs> I, never, I never drove that kind of stuff. But I want to have something that people look at and go, wow, man, that's nice. You can't do all of that if you don't monetize that's right what your strength is and what you know that you know more than everybody else at and not only do you know as much not always more but you actually did it performed it competed acted well this whatever. is the difference between an academic and the real world Right, so they kind of one of the sayings is those who can't do teach. If you do both of those things, you got to listen. Yeah, because not only do you know it and can teach it, but you've shown it by yeah. your actions. You know that's powerful. You know, there's Mark Henry. It's the person. It's the brand. It's the entity on TV. It's the records and all that. So when Mark Henry is heard. What do you want people to think of? What, whether it's a, a kid who's coming up, whether it's a, a a coach or whatever, what do you want to be the 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 thought and feeling that comes up when you know when you hear of Mark Henry? I I, I want that guy to be my friend. Like, man, like I want my kids to know that person. I want my wife and my family to be able to say, hey, man, let's call Mark over. Like, that'd be a great time. Yeah. Like, um, there's nothing more valuable to me than um, living up to the standard that people think about you being. Because I debunk every day what people think about me when they see me. Mm -hmm. When they see me, it is nothing like who I am. 
the, the you don't you don't have an understanding of who I am until you have a conversation with me. Yeah, yeah. People, I will say, you are you are the sweetest guy. <laughs> I mean, you really are. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, for for those watching is. You know, our sons wrestle together, so as you go to tournaments and stuff, and this is the wrestling world, you know, and he is a championship wrestler, and you, uh, somebody, some kid comes up and, hey, can, you know, I can see, you can see him squeamishly, like, trying not to come up, (laughs) and finally they get the courage of, like, can we get a pin? You're like, yeah, man, come on, come on, come on. And you, you get them on in, and it's it's a cool thing, man. It's a cool. Cause and it's, I try to pick on them too. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I saw you like 20 minutes ago. It took you 20 minutes to build up your courage. Come on, man, you're better than that. Like, I I I, I want to play with them. And you know what? I will say too. You are. This is true for your son. I don't know your daughter much at all, but I know you know. Our, our kids wrestle. I know Laird and, and Jacob were wrestling together the other night at practice. But one funny thing that, and this is just this is just in the fabric, is at state last year. So Jacob is running, and they're already starting to roll up mats because this is getting to the final. So there's a bunch of concrete, and he's about to take this guy. He kind of lets this guy go. And there's this little worker who's, you know, it's probably like a 150-pound guy or something. And Jacob runs into him and just about like you're like, man, there's going to be big boy on top of little boy on top of concrete. And he stops and, he, and he's like, you okay? And then he gives him the hug. You remember that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The whole stadium was just like, oh. <laughs> but that's, that's the way that's from, he raised. That's from you. That's right. That's from the top. That's yeah. in the fabric. That's in the and fabric. My daughter is exactly the same. Yeah. My my wife called the broken bird syndrome. She was like, you always trying to fix the broken bird. I want my kids to have that too. All right. That's awesome. Like you see somebody in pain or mentally or physically disabled, you be better to them than you are to everybody else. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Like, you know, there are protectors and, and you know, I'm, uh, biblically, I always said I was a lot more like David in the Bible because rather than be in the church, David was outside of the church protecting the people so they can have comfort inside. He had he, he he's the one who had those wars mm-hmm. and battles to protect Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I see myself more being a warrior because that's what God built me for. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not me. And I know the evil is the people that say, you know what, I'm better than them. I'm a I'm a I'm a reign on I'm a reign over them. Yeah. But those people, for every one of those people that exist, God made people like me. Yeah. In all shapes and sizes. In all shapes and sizes. That guy might be 5'5", 175 pounds will take your soul Mm -hmm. to keep you from hurting the weak. Yeah. And that's what I I respect that. Don't take the kindness as weakness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who said. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. <laughs> like if I have to resort to that, yeah, it's a bad day. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really <laughs> bad day. I love being this and not that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's what I want people to know. All right, that's great. So here I, I driving driving here today. Uh, I had this thought because this is you know our hanging out time when you said that if it wasn't for Coach with Brister, yeah. If it weren't for Coach Brister, it'd be no Mark Henry. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about you know what I got. I mean, I know a lot of Olympians, especially, but I know a lot of people just serving people for a bunch of years who have done amazing things and who are amazing people and have had game changer people in their lives who, yeah. who stood in the gap and helped take the stand for them in different ways. And that's changed the, cor- changed the course of untold numbers of people. Yeah, so if, he think- would, if he hadn't vouched for me to coach Bernheim, I wouldn't have played Silsby School for sport. Nothing. I have been I have been blackballed from sport. But I was thinking that that okay, the people that I want to kind of share those stories with, some of them I know really really well. I grew up with, you know, I've known you for a few years now, and I just laughed in the car coming here. I thought, I think I'm going to do their superpower against against test out their superpower. So how about <laughs> us go arm wrestle? No, not gonna do it. I don't want to hurt you. I, I was I gonna say off camera, don't a, hurt me. I got a white shirt on. I don't want your blood on me. I thumb wrestle you. All right, let's take the thumb wrestle. All right, thumb wrestling with the world's strongest man. All right. One, One two, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. Oh, you beat me. Damn uh, it. You know what? <laughs> that might be better. The might have fallen so far. <laughs> might be better than our rest. I can still work tomorrow if I have to. John, that was awesome, Are you curious about an Austin-based personality, business, or brand you want to know the Game Changer backstory of and learn what led to their success? Send your nominee to info at drpurelife.com. There might just be a little goodie in it for you, too. Thank you for joining us. And if you want more, get more at www.drpurelife.com.